dust. It's not too high to count, and not too many miles, and not too many dollars, and not too many smiles. If it's just the one you can help along the way, if it's just the one you can help, yeah, man. One woman, one man, one boy, one girl. Welcome to episode number 276 of the Good Stuff Kids podcast. I'm your host, Mike Mason, and this is the show where we get to know the creators of certified and bona fide good stuff for kids and families. And on today's show, I welcome Aaron Nigel Smith. And that song you just heard is called One, and it's from his brand new live album called Live in LA. It's by Aaron Nigel Smith and the One World Chorus. And if you stay tuned all the way to the end of the show, you can hear that song in its entirety. I want to thank Aaron right off the bat for being so patient in waiting for this episode to come up. I hope everyone's doing great. You can hear that full song one at the end of the show and enjoy this conversation with Aaron Nigel Smith. It is it's my great pleasure to welcome someone who I've been circling, right? Circling in quotes, not like in a scary way, but I've known about for a long time and I'm thrilled to finally get a chance to welcome Aaron Nigel Smith to the Good Stuff Kids podcast. Aaron Nigel, how are you doing today? I'm doing terrific. Thank you so very much for having me. It is it's awesome. It is awesomely my pleasure. That's like, you know, in a, in a long line of things that I've said on this podcast that make no sense. That's at the top, but um, <laughs> so so you are. Let's set the scene, right? This I think is is an interesting piece of what we are able to do, being that we're we're talking to each other remotely. I'm here in Houston, Texas. Where are you located right now? I am based in Portland, Oregon. All right, Portland, Oregon, beautiful city. I've been there. I've spent some time there. Not a lot. Good donuts. Good music. Beautiful. All things that are very important for people to know about Portland. So, Aaron Nigel, you've had a great career as a musician doing family music, and you have a specific style of music that you play. You know, it's not, you know, just rock and roll. It's not just, you know, R&B. It's not just country music. You know, a lot of people have the genres that they are specifically making music in and you have a genre that is yours that that you play in and tell me a little bit about the kind of music that you love to play well i love to play reggae music you know i've I've made an enormous connection to rasta culture and reggae culture throughout my life and and i feel that i'm an ambassador for for the the art of and the the genre of reggae music you know um although i'm trained as a classical musician that's kind of where it all started for oh me. wow okay I have a great you have a great passion and affinity for you know mozart and bach and beethoven and all that but throughout my journey as i've evolved i found a nice homey comfy niche in in the reggae world great so so we're gonna we're gonna talk about why why I think and why I think you'll agree why reggae music is so important, why the message of reggae music is so important, especially now. We're going to get to that, right? But yeah. before we get to that, right, we're going to we're going to go back in time. We're going to get into to Mike and Aaron Nigel's Wayback Machine, and we're going to go back and, and let's learn a little bit about your musical history. And then yeah. we'll, we'll sort of, when we get to the reggae part, we'll talk about the, the importance and the meaning of of reggae and what it means to you and what I think it means to a lot of people, myself included. So take it away. Dynamite, dynamite. 
So, and, that, and my taking it away and talking about me from the beginning, is that what you mean? Yeah, like, you know, day, day <laughs> one. Let's day go one. Day, day by day, Woo. day one. <laughs> so my very first, you know, memories come back to Pontiac, Michigan, uh, which is a town outside of Detroit. And it's, a, you know, predominantly known for the auto industry, you know, pr- before it kind of collapsed, unfortunately. Um, not the most economically sound uh, place in the world. And I was actually raised by my grandmother um, instead of my parents, which is, you know, a traditional kind of standard. Um, but she did an amazing job raising myself and my siblings. And the one thing that she had, we didn't have a lot of money and we didn't have a lot of access or resources, you know. Um, one thing she did have the foresight to do was to get me involved with music at a very early age. And that was really a pivotal, you know, decision that she made that created a world of opportunity, hope, a light, and, you know, just rebirth for me, you know. So the first major musical experience I, you know, that she brought me to was an organization called Camp Albemarle, which was, interestingly enough, based in Princeton, New Jersey. So those of you that know Princeton, New Jersey, it's a college town. Uh, Let's call it the opposite of Pontiac, Michigan. (laughs) (laughs) Fair, fair. Yeah. Uh (laughs) So I ended up there going to a camp, a music camp there. And the people at that music camp, they also recruited for a school that was internationally renowned called the American Boy Choir School. And if you were auditioned and were selected, you had the opportunity to attend a school where half of the day you did music and the other half of the day we did our academics. Um, So it was a rigorous program, immersed me in the world of classical music. Um, By the time I was 12, I had performed at Carnegie Hall, Lincoln Center, Kennedy Center, I performed with Metropolitan Opera Stars, recorded television specials and albums and you name it. Wow. I had, uh, yeah, I had experienced it um, at the, the ripe old age of 12. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, to, that gave me a path um, and a way forward that I don't believe would have been possible had not my grandmother, you know, had that, that intuition and that foresight. Um, I've never have looked back from music ever since, you know, I went to, um, that was a boarding school, which is a school that you actually live at. So I lived at the school all day, every day for the whole year and every, every once in a while go home for Christmas break and whatnot. Uh, from there, I transitioned and went to another boarding school for high school called Interlock and Arts Academy. And at Interlock and Arts Academy, it was a high school of the performing arts where you had dancers and and visual artists and actors and musicians from all around the world um, at this beautiful camp, this beautiful location that um, in northern Michigan, wooded area, lakes in between two beautiful lakes. Um, And so we lived at the school and created art for and I went there for all of my high school career. Um, Met my beautiful wife there who was a dance major. High school Uh, sweethearts. My goodness. (laughs) Rock the the high school sweetheart. We've been married for uh, we're going to celebrate our 22nd uh, anniversary coming up here. Congrats. Congrats. (laughs) 
that's awesome. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And so, and you know, so yeah, from there, I went to college for music at Manhattan School of Music. And, and from there, I, you know, began touring, singing music all around the world. You know, I've traveled through many countries in Europe, throughout Asia, throughout South America, throughout Africa, and all over the United States, um, you know, singing, singing choral music. Uh, you know, should I keep going or do you need to pause anywhere? No, I mean, it's, it's, it's mind blowing, right? Like it's, a, it's a, such a cool path. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, having talked to lots and lots of people for this podcast, it's, it's a very different path. You know, yeah. the, the the path is for, for a lot of folks. It's like, yeah, you know, like I, I started playing piano when I was younger and then I started playing guitar and then and then, I, you know, I went to college and I was in a band and then that ha- and then the next phase happened. But it sounds like you've been really immersed in it for so long and in such a different way. And and you're able to, you know, see all sides of, of the industry, I guess, in quotes yeah. from like a, a really young age. So yeah. it's really it's really fascinating and like I've heard of interlocking right I I don't nice. I don't you're the only person I've ever met that's that's gone there but um you know like in Manhattan school right like all of these things these are like really legit things and so you were singing like choral music was your focus was your emphasis then on on voice and on singing and 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 if so when did you you know when did you pick up the guitar and, and then that will lead us gently into the conversation about uh, about reggae for you absolutely yeah so um I'm so sorry. I was listening so intently, and then I got a text from my wife <laughs> and, got to, and got distracted. Could you just repeat the question? One sure. More time? sure. I'm so Look, sorry, but. folks, again, this is the Good Stuff Kids podcast is nothing but real. This is real life. <laughs> this is what's happening. So I was just saying, it sounds like the majority of what you were doing was like choral music, right? Yes. Um, so then, what drew you, I guess, to the guitar? When did you start playing guitar? When did songwriting, those kinds of things, happen? And then, I guess, then from there, the 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 discovery, or maybe the the um, the profound love for reggae music. When did that start? So then we can start moving into that, and then from there we'll get into the the family stuff. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you for reminding me of where we are in the, course, in the, in the space. Of course, of course. So, yes, I was I was a tenor, a lyric tenor, and sang lots of choral music, lots of oratorio, which are like stories, like mini operas. Sang a little bit of opera. Wow, um, you have opera. You, you have opera chops. That is, that I is have legit. some opera chops, bro. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and you know that. That world was just so amazing for me to be welcomed into and to, especially at such a rich, at such a young age. Um, the thing that drew me away from that heavy, heavy classical music influence and choral music influence was actually the birth of my children or my firstborn son. Mm-hmm. Um, literally the day after he was born, I had to jump on a plane and fly to Japan to tour for two weeks. Wow. Um, and yeah, I one, <laughs> I'm keeping it real. Cause one, you know, one, I, it was a commitment that I made Two, we needed the money, you uh-huh. know, and I was strictly, you know, making a living only doing touring. Um, and, and it was, you know, it was a horrible decision to have to make, you know, and, and that was actually the impetus that said, led me to say, Hey, let me make a shift in my world and in my space to see if I can, 
figure out a way to, to earn a living and, and spend more time at home. And so um, I spent a, the, the rest of that year touring and still strategizing on what I like to do. And, and I made the shift to education there. Mm -hmm. um, I had been noodling around with guitar for probably three or four years and um, getting a little bit of influence from a West African drumming kind of a mentor uh, because I was so locked in that classical mold that I couldn't even really jam out. If someone said, hey, let's jam, I needed a piece of music to tell me what to do, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so I wanted to break that mold and I had been working to break that mold over several years and learning to play instruments and picking, you know, listening to, to artists and trying to find, you know, a voice that wasn't told to me what it needed to be, you know, which is mm -hmm. the world of classical music. Sure, sure. Um, and so I took a big risk, stopped touring and took a teaching job at a preschool and i was and like there okay. and there it is <laughs> and i honestly it was a monumental shift for me the i i felt the moment that my life changed forever i walked into a room of children um i'm an educator you know i went to music school and all that so i, I had a lesson plan prepared you know i had all my you know uh, i understand i had all my learning objectives and, and everything dialed in Yet I walked in front of these youth and I started my lesson and, and, I, and it was horrible. You know, I was like, this is not working at all. So I threw that away, threw away my lesson plan and picked up the guitar and made up a song about animals, awesome. which is right on the spot. And um, to that day, it's actually one of my most popular songs called The Animal Song. Yeah. And, and um, that is what resonated and connected to the youth. And that moment, you know, of, you know, real made me realize, OK, I can. You know, I have a path and, and I have a calling, actually. This felt more like a calling than a career to, you know, educate children and give children the opportunity to learn a little bit of what I've learned and not necessarily become musicians, but just to give them access to art as a tool for creativity, you know, became just an enormous calling and an enormous mission for me, you know. And so I've never looked back from that moment you know I, from there i taught for for i still i'm still a teacher actually and i and have never stopped i've built a whole curriculum a whole company uh called fundamentals of music and movement that i ultimately franchised and licensed out you know the music to uh and the, the access to the curriculum to other educators and you know um then i started using that music that i had written for the youth in classes then, you know, I was like, hey, why don't I record some albums <laughs> and yeah. started making records, you know, with these interactive kind of songs that I created for my music curricula. And that really started to take off and, and gave me the opportunity to to re-engage in the touring world, but really on my terms by creating this, you know, music and movement program for children that works as a curriculum in school, that works as an after school program, that works as a concert, that works as an assembly. Um, and, and it really started to take off uh, to where, you know, half of my life was touring, doing children's music and concerts. The other half was making records for children, you know, and if you can have more than two halves, the other, the other ones were, were uh, in the classroom and writing curriculum and training teachers in methodology, you know, for working with youth in, in yeah. meaningful ways. So it's amazing. It's a, that's a really, yeah. it's a, it's an interesting arc. Right. It's yeah. it's it's and I, I can only help but like compare it to my personal arc, which is like mm -hmm. I was always way more comfortable on the improvisational side. Right. Nice. So you were talking about the West African drumming. I've been drumming for years and I've 
you know, taught groups of kids and adults and used and used drumming as like the means to building community, which I think is something that you've done as well. Right. Yes. And, and yes. it's, it's so interesting to, to think about coming to that from a totally different perspective. And, and I, and I think that like another piece of what you're talking about that really jumps out at me is this, is the idea. And this may be, may sound a little bit weird, but like preparation, you know, yeah. it's like you, yeah. you were prepared, you know, when people yeah. talk about like, in, in, when people talk about like improvised music and, and, and drumming and working with kids and, you know, it, it doesn't always go hand in hand with like preparation and lesson mm -hmm. plans, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and like mm -hmm. just having, having a, an idea of going from point A to point B. And I love that, like, that that's something that, you know, just through hearing you talk, like that's important. And I think that that's yes. a really important thing for people to know, right. Who are getting into this world and, and who work with kids, but like as good as you may be at, at improvising. And that's sort of where I sort of hang my hat is like, I can go into a situation and, and, and be pretty much ready for anything. It doesn't change the fact that you still need to be prepared and be ready to go. Without a doubt, you know, and being ready in the right moment can be the difference between really changing your world or, or keeping you on the same trajectory, you know, preparation, you know, in that world of classical music, it, it kind of trained me and, and had me ready for any musical scenario and then adding a little bit of improvisational skill to loosen me up and whatnot, but I wouldn't have been able to be you know, half the musician I am without the preparation and the, yeah. and the training and, and being prepared to handle any situation musically, you know. That's so um, fascinating, yeah. Yeah, it, it's a joy and it's a gift I'm grateful for, you know. And then the, the other component that's, you know, that I guess I love business too and I love organizing and I love like writing grants, you know. I sit uh -huh. down and I'm excited to write, you know, like a 20-page grant report, you know. <laughs> Um, so I don't, I don't know wow. where, where you, that all merges. You, you know? are, you are blowing my mind. It's amazing. <laughs> so, so let's, let's talk about reggae. Let's talk about yeah. reggae and let's, let's, I, I think I know what you're going to say, but I think that there are other people who can really benefit from this. Why is reggae in your mind and in your words and in your heart, why is reggae the most important type of music that we should be listening to at this time in 2020? You know, the message of, of reggae music is a message that promotes unity, that promotes community, that promotes empowerment of both yourself and, and your family and your world. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a genre that represents love. You know, um, mo most of the songs are, are that you hear in the reggae music are about lifting up, lifting up people, you know, not putting people down, not shutting people out, but bringing people together, you know, and and uh, the climate of our times is just it's remarkable to see the divisiveness that has risen up in, in our in our world, you know, um, and and mu reggae music is that healing, that bond that connectivity that we all really need right now you know um if you listen to if you check i, I think billboards put out something recently that uh the music of bob marley uh went i think past a billion streams or something ridiculous like that mm -hmm. during the corona uh, uh lockdown 
you know so people are gravitating towards this music they need to hear this music that's going to help them heal their hearts and then when people are riding in the streets they need to hear someone say one love one heart let's get together you know and feel all right you know mm -hmm. they need to hear that everything's going to be all right you know um so yeah it's a powerful it's a powerful genre it's a powerful uh, tool for for bringing people together so i think that's why it's relevant and and important and and the people are are hungry for it right now beautifully said beautifully said so before we get into your music i mean bob marley is 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 probably the most uh, not probably is definitely the most well-known um, reggae artist, I think, in the world, uh, even mm -hmm. in in uh, as his memory is a blessing for for all of us and for everyone who's listened to his music. Um, but but the world of reggae music keeps going, and you have been a part of it, and you have brought that to kids and to families. So let's hear a little bit about some of the stuff that you've done. Like for example, there's two things that I want to hear about. One of them is the Big Up Show. Right. Yeah, I want nice. to hear about yeah. that, that, that yeah. piece that you've been doing. And then after that, well, I'd love to hear about the one world course and that'll lead us into, to the new record. Awesome. Awesome. So the big up show is a concept that, you know, it came to me sometime after I was involved with the show called Between the Lions, which is a, a literacy show that I had the great privilege of, of collaborating with, the, with that team on. And, and, you know, they made remarkable in-strides in literacy around the world. You know, we have benchmarks that were met, you know, millions and millions of children improve their reading metrics based on watching the show Between the Lions. Yeah, I was just going to say, so I, tell, tell, that, that's a, a show that was on PBS Kids, right, that you were on? Yes. Right, okay. Yes. So... I'm thinking, well, if we can teach, you know, letters and numbers and literacy, you know, through the medium of, of um, television and video like Sesame Street is done and like Between the Lines is done, why can't we teach peace and love and kindness and community? you know, through the medium of video and television. And so uh, I've embarked on a journey to create a show uh, that would teach basic principles of peace. And then we came up with 13 principles of peace for now that we're using, and each episode revolves around one of those principles. Um, one of the other really cool components of the Big Up Show is that up until now, it has been, it's been produced in teams of youth building you know the content literally filming uh, you know we have a television studio that we've built up over the years just for this project so we've got kids you know, running the lights running the sound writing acting awesome. wow you know working puppets and, and all types of uh, fun engaging activities and so that it's been a youth-led project you know to promote peace and love and kindness to young children through the medium of a video Huh. I had no idea that that, that that there were so many, that the kids were doing so much. That's yeah. such a cool piece of it. And the Absolutely. and like and look, folks, let's not bury the lead here. Aaron Nigel Smith works with puppets, which just makes him like <laughs> the greatest ever. Do it. So that's not to be overlooked. Um, so oh, that's amazing. Cool. So yeah. then, so then, tell me a little bit about the the one world, um, the one world course and, and, and what that is. And I mean, th this is an incredible story too. Well, you know, I started, as we talked about earlier in the world of, of singing together, choral music, you know, and, um, I thought it would only be right that 
I create an organization that would give youth access to the rich, rich legacy of singing together, choral singing. And so the initial mission for One Woke Chorus was to uh, connect youth around the world through through music. Uh, we formed a nonprofit, my wife and I formed a nonprofit, and um, this was back in 2009, and the primary objective was to offer singing programs for youth in after-school program, uh, uh, as an after-school opportunity. And that eventually grew to where we had youth in Canada, youth in Jamaica, youth in New York, youth in LA, all over Portland, you know, collaborating and participating in our music uh, chorus program. Uh, we've been, we've recorded two albums, you know, that have, you know, received awards and accolades and been highly distributed around the world. Um, and we've also implemented new programming. We've added our, our drumming program, which is now actually one of the most popular programs that we offer. Uh, we've uh, added our music and movement program that I had formerly done. We added that to our offering. Um, and, and also the Big Up Show is one of the programs of the nonprofit One Oof. World Chorus. Man, yeah. good thing you're organized, man. This is really incredible. <laughs> yeah, got to do it, brother. Got to do it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so, and and then this new record that that just came out um, just a couple weeks ago is uh, it's it's you and the One World Chorus live in LA. So set set the scene for where this was recorded and who is involved and. And tell us a little bit about it, and then we'll dive into some of the specific songs. Nice. So we, I had a show booked at the Broad Stage, which is a really reputable uh, venue in Santa Monica, California, world-class stage. And um, I was invited to perform there, and I thought, hey, it's a great venue. Why don't I record my first live album there? And so we put in a, a plan in place. We were set this out probably seven to eight months out, you know, and just got the plan together, organized a recording crew. I've got the, the uh, Los Angeles division of One World Chorus to engage with us. I buy through their music teacher at Center Street School, basically trained them on the music months and months ahead of time. So that when I got into town, we could do a couple rehearsals with my band, with the One World Chorus Youth of Los Angeles, and um, <laughs> at the Broad Stage. You know, we got out there and we had 20, 25 youth uh, enthusiastically performing on stage, uh, singing and, and rocking out and um, it was really one of the most exciting concerts that, that I got to perform. The, the, the house was full, uh, almost sold out show. Um, my band was just rocking hard. My son. <laughs> I was going to ask. Moved, I, yeah. Yeah. And my son moved to Los Angeles a, a year prior to this concert. Uh, so he came out and sang for me and I'm gonna let y'all in on a little secret actually he was the hero of the day because on the day of the event actually I'll be honest <laughs> a few days before the event I started feeling ill Uh oh, and it got worse and worse oh. <laughs> until the <laughs> <No>. <laughs> day until the day before the performance I couldn't talk at all oh no was coughing up disgusting stuff <laughs> i was sick in bed and and um and i was literally like i don't know what i'm gonna do you know i don't know what i'm going to do and um fortunately my son has been singing with me ever since he was five recording with me ever since he was five he knows my set inside and out 
I turned half the set over to him. Wow. And I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna struggle through this, but I need you to I need you to rock this thing out, son. You know, we got a camera crew, we got a recording crew, we got twenty five kids, we got a full concert, we got a full house. And I'm sick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I need and, you. And I need you. I need you. I need yeah. you. And, yeah. and he stepped into his power and he rocked that show. You know, and, that, and I, you know, I'm embarrassed by how my voice sounds. People, people will say they didn't really notice that I was sick. But of course, I can I can tell. Sure. You know, I, did, I, I, could, I couldn't meet my potential in the moment. Um, and so even releasing the album was an exercise in humility because I, I feel like the moment needs it. We need this music in the moment. You know, it's not about me. It's about the message. You know, these children work so hard to do it. And then my son came in and saved the day. So why not go ahead and release this album, you know, and highlight my son and these wonderful youth and, and the message most importantly. Yeah. And, and that's, uh, you know, just so you know, I have could not tell. Right. <laughs> right to, and I listen to a lot of music. Right. And I can hear things, but it sounded good to me. So let's talk. Let's talk about a couple songs in particular, and and one that I, I would love to hear uh, to hear about. And and we always sort of and it's weird to talk about music with like spoiler alerts, right? But like in <laughs> yeah. a certain way, like we do want everyone to listen to this music. And this is really, I think this song is really important in a lot of like interesting ways. But I would love to hear yeah. the song, and, and I think that this is a unique thing. Um, that that people can learn from you and 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 it's actually the first time I've ever heard it explained really well, which may mean that like you know there's something about you know the way that I learn, which is through music. But tell nice. me about Natty Dreadlocks. Oh, right on, right on. So Natty Dreadlocks is a song that is really just a story of an ex- experience of of my everyday life. I'm often, you know, in a library or in a school or at a, you know, uh, at a grocery store and I'll hear this faint whisper or a big loud, that's a really big hat, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then there's a follow-up question, I wonder what's in there, you know? And um, and a lot of the kids will be like, oh, I think it's its brains, you know? <laughs> and, and I'm like, right on, man, I must be a really smart guy, you know? And um, so I heard that so often and I was in the midst of recording an album and I was like, you know what? I'm going to try to like encapsulate that experience in a song. And so it gave me the opportunity to, to speak about a personal experience and also speak a, a little bit about what Rasta culture is about in a very simplified way. You know, what my hair represents in the most simplified way that I can, you know. And so it just talks about, you know, uh, well, I won't spoil it. I'll encourage you to listen to Nazi, right. Nazi Dreadlocks. But it's a, it's a song about my hair, my hat, my culture. And and um and and the wonderful youth of the world and their honesty, you know. Yeah, and and that's what I loved about it is like you you explained it in such a nice way and um and in a way that that kids would understand and and I think in the, you know in this time when it's so we hear so much divisiveness and it was just so nice to hear you talk about something that is so meaningful to you in a way that makes sense for kids and in a way that parents can understand if they've never thought about it or have never experienced it. So I just thought that that was a really uh, interesting and cool and very, very different um, kind of kids music, right? For lack of a better word. I thought it was really, really well done. Um, Oh, I appreciate that, man. Totally, totally. So the other one I want to hear about is, is your song, One. Tell us the story of One. 
Oh, you know, one is a song that came to me, that that hook just came instantly. You know, I was thinking about what was a song that could be almost an homage to One Love, but not, you know, a, a, a repeat, you know, or a copy of One Love, you know. And so I thought about principles of unity that, you know, I could share in a fun and engaging way. I was so privileged and excited to be working with uh, a great world-renowned reggae artist, uh, the great Juba White. Um, he was producing the album with me. And so we just explored different tonalities and different you know, vibrations and, and how we could share this message of unity, one in a simplified way that youth can enjoy and also in a way that their parents and 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 the radio can enjoy too you know because we wanted some spin so uh -huh. so I, it was my attempt and also to be honest i ended up re re releasing um, a mainstream reggae album a couple years later it was my test of can i create a reggae sound that is universally accepted by grown-ups and, and children you know and that's kind of was it, it was my the an experiment there that i was working on with the song one mm. Beautiful. So, mm -hmm. and, and there's so, and I mean, there's a couple Bob Marley songs on here. Uh, One Love, which I think really is, it, it just sort of ties it all up and, and really gives a, a good, a good lesson on all of the things that you're talking about, about why this music is important, why it matters and why you love it and why so many other people love it. Um, just out of curiosity, yeah. is Man Gave Names to All the Animals, is that the first song? The, the one that you wrote, the very first one? No, no, that is actually that is a Bob Dylan tune. Really? <laughs> that, All right. Yeah, All right. I, I, nice. I reggaeized it. Yeah. Nice. I asked. I got got in touch with his estate and um and or well his you know I got not his estate I guess his whatever his his management right. <laughs> and, right, right, right. Uh, I'm sorry he's still here guys. <laughs> <laughs> got in touch with his management and he they gave me the permission to do a, little, a remake of it um and and yeah it came out it's actually one of my most popular songs people really enjoy it. Um, but the animal song is another one. That's, that's the, another the one. one. If it. you look on YouTube, yeah, yeah, Google the animal song on YouTube, and you'll see a, a whole different vibe. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So, and there's so much, right? There, there's you know your record, your first record, I think, came out in 2005, called "Let's Pretend," and that has the animal song on it. And there's there's yes. so many records. And so that being said, what are the best ways for for people to to follow along with you and to 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 hear the music and, you know, YouTube or social media or any of those things? Absolutely. Well, my main uh, website is Aaron Nigel Smith dot com. That's A-A-R-O-N-N-I-G-E-L Smith dot com and you can find me on instagram at aaron nigel smith you can find me on facebook at aaron nigel smith <laughs> and on youtube at aaron nigel smith Boom. Yeah, all, you gotta do is <laughs> all you gotta do is be on brand folks that's all you need to do indeed indeed yeah no it's um it's a joy to to uh, connect with, with this community man Awesome. Well, Aaron Nigel, it's so great to talk to you and so great to hear your story and to talk about some of the music and to, I mean, you know, just share your, your inspiration. It was really, really a pleasure to get to know you. Likewise. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to speak with you all on Greasy Kid Stuff, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Again, big thank you to Aaron Nigel Smith. So great to talk to you. So great to get to know you. And here it is his song one from the live album. Live in L.A. by Aaron Nigel Smith and One World Chorus. Enjoy. 
Stuff. 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 Stuff.